are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. And preaching this morning on the saddest verse in the Bible, the most important verse and the most glorious one, a three-point sermon that has a message for everybody, anybody, regardless of their condition. First of all, turn to Matthew chapter 7, will you? Matthew chapter 7, and I promise you not to spend too much time on either one of these so that we'll be out shortly after the noon hour. I'll let you out just as few minutes after 12 as possible. It's 25 minutes until the noon hour now, and we'll be having the invitation very, very shortly after 12 o'clock. In Matthew 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount, that is part of it, 5, 6, and 7, this is the last chapter, and in the last words of the Sermon on the Mount, we read, and I want you to follow very closely, in verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits, to men gather grapes of thorns, figs of thistles. Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Now skip to verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. Now watch it. When the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. There's not one word. Now, we may have a builder here this morning. I'm not a builder. But I've seen a few buildings go up. Most of you have. But if there's a builder here this morning, he appreciates this maybe a little more than the average man. There's not one word said in here about the studs, the joists, the rafters, the sheeting, the braces. There's not a word. It all dwells on the foundation. I don't care what you put above the foundation. If the foundation is not correct, and as it should be, the building will not stand. Now, there are a lot of beautiful religions and a lot of beautiful services and beautiful programs, but there is one foundation and only one. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. All right. So he said, this man built on a rock. The floods came, the winds blew, the house stood. Verse 26. Every one of them that carries these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Hearers, but not doers. We have a lot of those folks. There'll be thousands of people go to church this morning. And they couldn't tell you if their life depended upon it. Five minutes after they got outside the door, they couldn't tell you where the preacher read his text. They, they, they go, they attend, and that's it, still of it. They hear, and they don't hear. So now read on. So, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not so like a foolish man. Build his house upon the sand. And of course the rains just say the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and it didn't just only fall, but it was a great fall. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished. The gospel still astonishes folks. And the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. We need more dogmatic, positive preaching today, and God's man does not need to go in the pulpit and apologize for preaching the Word of God. Never. 
All right. Now, between these two passages that I've read, verses 15 through 20 and verses 24 through 29, we have sandwiched like you'd put a piece of ham between two pieces of bread. We have sandwiched between these two solemn warnings the saddest passage in all the Bible. I hope you don't fit in. I hope you'll fit some of the other scripture that I'm going to read. But watch it. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, no. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Look at this word in verse 22. Many. Many. How many? Many. I repeat what I said last night in the sermon. I was illustrating a point. There are many folks here this morning. To me, there are many. To some preachers, this would be a very small crowd. I preach to more people in this few times. I preach to less people in this a lot of times. But to me, this, this crowd, uh, this group, uh, would be many. It is many to me. But when God the Almighty looks down upon this universe this morning with all of the millions and millions and millions, would this little handful be many in the language of God? Now, when God says many, we need to drive up a stake and stay there and do some serious thinking. Many. Many what? Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. Jesus, then, in the next verse, Jesus speaking, if you have a red letter Bible, these words are in red. Jesus, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let me read it one more time. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Now you say, preacher, that verse of scripture is referring to a crowd of people who were saved and lost it. They were in grace and fell from grace. Listen, I'm not preaching on once in grace, always in grace, or eternal security, or falling from grace. You just forget those terms for just a moment. But I want to drive home this solemn fact. I want to drive home this Bible fact. These people never fell from grace. They never had any grace. We preachers sometimes get in trouble by terms we use. You say, preacher, do you believe in once saved, always saved? I believe in eternal life. Whether you're saved or not, I don't know. Whether I'm saved or not, you can't prove. But I know whether I'm saved or not, and you know whether you're saved or not. And the sad thing is, the average sinner thinks in terms that every church member is a Christian, and that's not so. I asked a man not so long ago if he's a Christian. He said, I belong to the church. I said, so does the steeple. But it's not going to heaven, you know. And it's a lot more faithful than some of you bat that sits there every time the bell rings. Amen. You know. So belong to the church doesn't make a Christian out of it. Billy Sunday said, and it's that Billy, this is his original, he said it. Billy Sunday said, taking a man in the church doesn't any more make a Christian out of him than taking a horse in a garage makes a Cadillac out of it. 
And joining the church doesn't save you. Joining the church never has saved anybody. Joining the church never will save anybody. Saved people should join the church because they are saved. But joining the church doesn't save you. All right. So these folks didn't fall from grace. I believe in eternal life. I couldn't believe anything else and believe the Bible. The sad thing is, a lot of people don't understand what being saved is. They don't understand what eternal life is. I live eternally because I possess the divine nature of God in the Holy Spirit. I've been born from above, and the part of me that is born from above will never die. The body will if Jesus tarries. Now then, what do we have here? Why do I say this is the saddest verse in all the Word of God? Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord. But he that doeth the will of my Father. What is the will of the Father? I'll tell you shortly. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many. Now notice what they'll say. They'll say, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. Now that word prophesied or prophecy or prophesied does not necessarily refer to a prophet such as Ezekiel or Amos or Isaiah. The word prophesy means to foretell events in the future, but it also means to foretell that which has already been foretold. Every preacher is a prophet in a sense. Every Sunday school teacher is a prophet in a sense. Every missionary is a prophet in a sense. Every personal worker that talks about the Bible and invites folks to be saved is a prophet in a sense. And so it is possible to be an evangelist, to be a pastor, to be a missionary, to be a Sunday school teacher, and go to hell. And not everything that walks in the pulpit on Sunday morning with his preacher's garb on is God's preacher. Not all preachers are going to heaven. Not because they had grace and lost it, but because they were the devil's preachers. Brother Green, I don't think you should say that. I think I have Bible to say that. And if I didn't have Bible to say it, I don't think I would say it. God said, touch not mine anointed. Is that right? Say it. Now, I don't want you to turn. I don't have time. But I'll tell you where it is. And you jot it down. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, Satan's, M-I-M-I-S-T-E-R-S. What does that spell? Satan's ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their W-O-R-K-S. Now listen, brother. Everything that calls himself a preacher is not God's preacher. Everything that God has that's good, the devil has a cheap counterfeit. Now I'm going to say this. This doesn't put any $10 bills in the love offering either. But God didn't call me to preach for money. God called me to preach the gospel. God has fed and clothed me for 29 years, and I'm not worried now. But this doesn't increase a preacher's bank account nor his popularity. But I can't understand to save my neck or soul either. How some people come to my tent meetings and the meetings where I preach in churches and sit back and say, Amen, glory to God, hallelujah, that's good preaching, and then go back and support a liberal and a moderate. I feel the same. I believe in paying your bills where you get your hot dogs and hamburgers. Amen. 
And if you eat at one restaurant, don't pay the bill at another restaurant. And if you believe in fundamental Christianity, then get out of a liberal church and get in a fundamental church. And don't try to be popular with people and have the power of God on your life. You may be saved, but you'll certainly lose your reward. Now, many will say, Lord, we prophesy. Preachers, teachers, evangelists, oh yes. Missionaries, yes. Sunday school teachers, yes, prophesied. Then next they said, in thy name we've cast out devils. This is not heresy, I didn't write this, I'm just reading it. It's possible for a man to cast out devils and go to hell himself. What do you mean, preacher? Here's what I mean, here's what I mean. Any man that has had a reasonable education. Now, I, I say this. Not uh, to disrespect lawyers, but any man that's had a law course and has a law degree, any man that has a degree in science or philosophy, or as far as that's concerned, history and mathematics, any man that's been to college or the university can stand before the men's Bible class and teach a good Sunday school lesson. Yeah, the amens have died out now. And the time has come today when the average church doesn't call a pastor because he's full of the Holy Ghost, but they call him on the merit of which university he went to and where did he get his doctor's degree. Well, you say, preacher, aren't you a doctor? No, I'm not doctor enough to hurt. All my honorary, B.A., born again, D.D., Devil disturber, not crying dusty doodle digger. Amen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with an education if you get it honest and stay with the Word of God. But I'd rather hear an ignoramus preach the blood than to hear a man with a Ph.D. deny the Son of God. And you say, any man that has a reasonable education can teach a good Sunday school lesson. And even if a sinner stands up before a crowd of men and reads the Word of God... Even though the man reading may be a sinner, the Word of God may prick his heart, break his heart, convict him of sin, and bring him to Jesus. It's possible to have folks saved in a church where a liberal is the pastor. They're not saved in great numbers, and they're not saved as a rule, but God can overrule the man in the pulpit and bless God's Word that will not return void. But what do we say today? We rear back and say, well, God must be with him. Look what he's doing. You might take a peep at what the devil's doing. If you're going to compare men in the pulpit and men in religion, if you're going to say they're God's man because of the gigantic job they're doing, take a look at the devil's job, huh? Answer me, say now you hear me. I thank God for big churches, and I thank God for big preachers, and I thank God for men who are internationally known, but you can be internationally known and pastor a big church and go to hell. Just because you have a crowd don't mean you're saved. Just because conversions are reported at convention, that doesn't mean the man's saved. Now you argue with God Almighty. Don't argue with me. I didn't write this. I'm reading it. They said we cast out devils, and he didn't say you didn't. He didn't deny it. 
I believe there are people saved in Sunday school classes where the teacher's a sinner. It's not the teacher that saves them, it's what the Word of God says. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word, right? Amen? Now that's not all. They said we've done many wonderful works. Lord, you must have me down wrong. You know, I tell you, I was one of the workingest fellows you've ever seen. I helped them clean off the graveyard and helped paint the church. And Lord, you, you must have the wrong fellow. No, the Lord doesn't have the wrong fellow. He said you didn't do the will of God. You prophesied, you preached, you taught, and you uh, cast out demons and had folks converted. And you were certainly a wonderful worker, but I never knew you. You say, preacher, you're trying to make me doubt my salvation. If I can make you doubt your salvation, you don't have any salvation. A born-again child of God doesn't shudder when a man preaches like I'm preaching now. If you're saved, you know it just as good as you know you're breathing. If you don't know you're saved as truly and as positively as you know you're breathing, you'd better get somewhere, get on your knees, and give your heart to God. Now I'll ask you a question. What could be sadder? What could be sadder than to walk up to the throne of God expecting to hear God say, Enter thou the joys of thy Lord, and have God Almighty frown on you and say, Your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. I never knew you. Depart from me in the everlasting hell fire. And according to the words of the Son of God, many will hear that statement. But you don't have to be one of the many. Give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. I know whom I have believed. We know that we've passed from death unto life. Whether Jesus be a sinner or not, I do not know but one thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. There's no such thing as a hope so faint, so possibly so salvation. There's a positive no so salvation. You say that's not the way I heard it, but that's the way God said it. And how you heard it doesn't make any difference. Religion will drive you crazy. Salvation will give you good sense, good understanding. All right. What could be sadder than expecting to go to heaven to hear God say, I'm sorry, you'll have to go to hell. Now, if you know of anything sadder than that, you be sure and tell me. I want to preach on it tonight. And if you don't know anything sadder than that, then you shut your eyes right now and say, Oh, God, is my experience genuine or a counterfeit? He's a good Baptist. Uh, for instance, let's do it this way. Some dear old fellow dies over here across the hills, down in the holler, back up down somewhere. Some good old fellow dies. And uh, down at the filling station or the grocery store, the barbershop, uh, the drugstore, somebody said, Did you hear about uh, Brother So-and-So passing away last night? And they said, no, I didn't hear about it. And then somebody else said, well, uh, was he a Christian? And then somebody speaks up and says, well, if he didn't make it in, I don't think we need to try. Well, I'm not trying. I'm going. You say you're bragging. Call it that if you want to. I'm bragging in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I live right. I'm going to heaven because I'm born again. Save of the great 
grace of God. That's why I'm I'm not good. I'm saved. There's none good save one, and that's God. You say he was such a good man. That's the language of man. But the language of God says, there is none good, no, not one. That's sad. Now, I say the next verse is the most important verse. Turn to John 3, and we'll hurry. John 3, I'll read while you're turning. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruled the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, and no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God do with him. I'm reading verse 3 now, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb be born? Jesus answered, and here's the, here's the most important verse in all the Bible. Here is the singular verse that is the one verse that is most important. Jesus answered, verily, verily, that means truly, truly. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot. Now, is that clear? Say it. He cannot enter, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, Jesus said, marvel not. Nicodemus undoubtedly must have changed his expression. Undoubtedly his face must have turned red. Maybe he turned a little bit ashy white. Now listen, you can't put your finger on Dr. Nicodemus, and he was a doctor. Look at verse 10, John 3, 10. Jesus answered and said, Art thou a master? He had a master's degree in religion. He had a master's degree in Judaism. He was a master. Art thou a master in Israel? And knowest not these things. Look up here at Oliver Green. If you haven't heard a sermon in six months where you go to church on the new birth, if you haven't heard a sermon in six months on the blood of Jesus Christ, if you haven't heard a sermon in six months on the second coming, if you haven't heard a sermon in six months on you must be born again, I can tell you why you need not worry or wonder any longer. Your preacher doesn't believe it. If he believes it, he'd preach it. Amen. He'd preach it. God's preacher cannot help but preach what he believes. You don't need to scratch your head and say, I wonder why. He don't believe it. Now, this man was as clean as a hound's tooth. As honest as the day is long. He was a ruler. He was a master. He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher. But he had an honest heart. And he knew that there was something like it. God deliver me from a religion that doesn't satisfy the heart. If you'd rather be in a theater, a dance hall, a nightclub, a poker game on Sunday night than to be in God's house, you don't need to be reclaimed. You need to be saved. Don't kid yourself. Now, here's a man that's a Pharisee, a ruler, a master, a teacher, and he came to Jesus by night. And don't you ever accuse Nicodemus of coming to Jesus by night because he was ashamed to be seen in the daytime. Nicodemus did not go to Jesus by night because he was ashamed to be seen in the company of Jesus in the daylight hours. The reason Nicodemus went to Jesus by night 
He had so many church offices. He didn't get through the dark. He had to go at night. And you got some Baptists, bless God, so busy serving the program, they don't have time to get saved. Amen! Amen. Sit down and blink at me like a billy goat eating bramble rocks. When they commit all the committees and meet all the appointments, bless God, and lead all the convention literature, God bless you, and take care of all that junk, they don't have time to get saved! So who are you talking about? I don't know if the phone's ringing, answer it. Amen. I just dial the numbers. Now, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You say, I'm a Baptist. I don't think the Lord will hold that against you. That's what I was when he saved me. Baptist. Some of you look like Baptist now. Amen. You don't have to tell me. You can cuss God all you want to and cuss Jesus all you want to, but don't say anything about the Baptists. I'm one of them. I talk about them often. We got some Baptists in Greenville, South Carolina, so crooked. If they swallowed a keg of nails, they'd cough up a barrel of corkscrew. Amen. That's a dying truth. Mister, I wouldn't trust them, bless your soul, and you have some in Chattanooga just as bad off. Amen. Being a Baptist doesn't save you. Now watch it. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must. And when God Almighty says must, God means must. No, maybe so, must. Have you been born again? He said, I don't know, preacher, then I can answer you haven't. Do you think it's possible for a new baby to come into your home and you not know it? Do you think it's possible for your wife to give to your little family a new babe and the husband not find out and the, the rest of the children not find out? It is utterly, absolutely impossible for a person to be saved and not know it and the people with whom they rub shoulders find it out. You don't have to put a sign on your back, I'm a Christian. Brother, you don't need any signs. If you're born again, your life will tell it. Amen. I wouldn't give you two cents a carload for these folks who sign pledges. I will not dance. I will not cuss. I will not drink. I will not play poker. If you're born again, you don't need to sign anything. You'll stay straight. And if you're not born again, you can't stay straight. You don't need to sign anything. Just get saved. Amen. God puts within you. He who leads in the paths of right living. Now, have you been born again? Have you been raised from spiritual deadness to life in Christ Jesus? You know, this Bible is a captivating book. It's interesting. It's dynamic. It's a moving book. I love to read it. The longer I preach, the more I preach the sermons of Jesus and junk mine. When Jesus was here, he talked about the sower. And who hasn't seen the sower sowing seed? And who doesn't know what a seed is? He talked about the hen and her little chickens. He said, I'd love to gather you unto myself as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and you won't let me. Who hasn't seen an old mother hen when that old chicken hawk's flying high above and she gives out that peculiar sound and spreads her wings and every little old chick she has scampers under and she sits down. And if the hawk gets the chick, it's got to get mama first. Amen. Bless God, brother, if the devil gets me, you'll have to get Jesus first. I'm hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. Amen. I like to preach the sermon of Jesus. You see, Jesus got right down in the dirt where we live. And he talked about the lilies. 
Some of you ladies think you're dressed up this morning. Go over the floor and look at a lily. Never even Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed up like a lily. Amen. Say, and every little old stalk of grass, every little old stalk of grass, today it is, and tomorrow it's in the oven, and it's gone up in smoke. But there's never been a stalk of grass that God didn't clothe. You've never seen a naked stalk of grass. You've never even seen a stalk of grass wearing shorts and a halter. Amen. Never in your life. Never. Never. All right. So, I said, I'd like to get out where Jesus preached. Amen. Say, huh? Now then, listen. Jesus said, except a man be born again. I'll guarantee you, if a new baby comes to your house, you'll find it out. Let me illustrate. Baby's born. Used to be a time when mother stayed in the hospital a week or ten days. Now they come home about the third or fourth day. And daddy, proud daddy, goes down to the hospital. Nice little blue bassinet fits a boy and a beautiful little pink bassinet fits a girl. Didn't know I knew that much about young ones, did you? Huh? Yeah. I've been around a few. And so daddy puts junior. Boys are meaner than girls. That's the reason I'm making this in a boy. But daddy puts junior in that little blue bassinet and carries him home. And while mother's in the hospital, he converted one of the little of the den, we'll say, into a nursery. And so that night, daddy and mother goes to bed and puts junior in the bassinet in the nursery. And junior's snoozing when he puts him in. Dad reaches up and cuts the light off. Of course, junior had a light in the nursery at the hospital, you know, they never did cut it off. Oh, they'd turn it down, but he could still see his buddies around the other bassinet, you know. And so Daddy puts Junior in the bed and cuts the light off. And just about the time Dad reaches down and pulls up the sheet, Junior don't sit up in the bassinet and say, Pop, turn on the light. But he speaks a language that Dad knows what he's asking for. Amen. <laughs> on comes the light. Amen. How say? He doesn't sit up in the bed and say, Give me the bottle. But he asks for it in a language that always brings it at midnight. Born-again folks can't keep their mouth shut. They'll tell it. You say, preacher, I'm a silent Christian. I'm one of the silent disciples. They went out 1,900 years ago. If you're born again, you'll tell it. Amen. You won't walk up down the sidewalk screaming, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm not talking about that. That's fanaticism, not salvation. You may preach on the sidewalk. You may witness on the sidewalk. But we need to be wise as serpent harmonists does. But if you're born again, mister, if it's in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. Have you been born again? You say, I'm a Baptist. I didn't ask you that. You say, I'm a Methodist. I didn't ask you that. You say, I'm a good old holiness. I didn't ask you that. I said, have you been born again? If you've been born again, you know it. And you crave the milk of the Word, that you may grow. Now, I must hurry. Time's gone. I say the most important verse of the Bible is one verse that tells me the one thing that is imperative if I want to go to heaven. You agree with me? Say, you must be born again. Now, I say the most glorious verse is in 1 John 1, 7. And I read it, and that's all. 1 John 1, 7. In verse 5 and 6 to get the connection. This then is the message which we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light. 
And in him, God, there is no darkness at all, or is no darkness at all. I'm reading 1 John 1, 5. This, then, is the message which we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light. And in him, that is God, is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the B-L-O-O-D, what does that spell? Blood. Say that again. Blood. And the blood. Today, the lovely preacher, in many cases, delivers his lovely 15-minute sermon to his lovely people. Then when he finishes his lovely sermon, he says, let us all stand. And if any of you lovely folks would like to join our lovely church, it'll be so lovely to have you. Come forward and let me shake your lovely hand. Now listen, there's some folks in Chattanooga that John the Baptist wouldn't baptize. There's a bunch came to Jordan one day and said, John, we want to get baptized. He said, you look more like snakes and lambs to me. Go home. And he didn't duck them. Amen. You can get in the average Baptist church and stay in it ten times easier than you can get in a fraternal organization. And I don't belong to any. But you can get in the average Baptist church and stay in it. The average Baptist church, you can get in and stay in and do anything in the world you want to do. But you can't get into God's family that way. And you won't get into God's heaven that way. We need to be dogmatic, emphatic, and plain about this thing. All right, the blood, B-L-O-O-D. I thank God for this baptistry back here. And you talk about this water salvation junk, it's growing like wildfire all over this country. If I call some names and don't dare me to do it, I'll do it. There's some men on the radio today. That if they told you everything they believe, you wouldn't support them. I could call two or three names right now. And I, I'll guarantee you there are people in this building that sent money to those preachers in the last 30 days. And I could call one fellow's name that positively does not believe in an eternal hell. He positively does not believe in the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. And he dogmatically affirms that you must be immersed in water or go to hell. I don't believe that. I've been immersed in water because I was born again. I did not get baptized to get saved. I was baptized because I am saved. Now, if some of those, some of some birds I've known had to get saved by baptism, you'd have to drown them. Amen. Amen, preacher. I'm not making fun of baptism, brother. If you haven't been baptized since God saved you, you ought to be baptized. Not to be saved, but because you are saved. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. Some of you Baptists need to read 1 Corinthians 1.17. Paul said, God sent me not to baptize. I believe in baptism. I believe in the baptistry. There's no virtue in that baptistry. There's no virtue in that water. But it's a beautiful, beautiful symbol. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Baptism won't save you. Joining the church won't save you. Living a good life won't save you. Doing the best you can won't save you. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. 
not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Well, you say, Mr. Green, why don't you talk about that water in John chapter 3? I'll be glad to. I'll be glad to. Here it is. I'll be glad to. And I'll tell you where it is when I finish to save time. The Word of God is the water. Now, give me your attention, and we'll, I'll finish in just a minute. It's not late, and it may be a lot, lot later than some of you think. Folks went to church in Alaska last Sunday morning. And you live in the hills. And I'm not trying to frighten you. And I don't believe in frightening people simply to try to get them to make a false profession. But this could be the last service some of you folks will ever attend. And it may be the last sermon I'll ever preach. I may never preach another one. Now, you say, Brother Green, I read that. It's in, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me say this, then I'm going to read my last verse. Now, I know some folks have to go to work. This is a critical age, and I'm not critical. I know that some people go to work, policemen, firemen, other folks. I realize we're living in a very critical day, perilous times, and I know that it's an absolute imperative many times for people to get up and walk out of a service. And I never, I never feel badly about it, but please don't go unless you must, because this could be our last service. Jesus is coming. No man knows the day and hour. And he may come before 1230. He may come before the next 60 seconds. Now here's the climax of my message. I said the water's the word. Now let me show you. We're saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace does the saving, but faith brings saving grace. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing with the word of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. But how? Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the baptistry, huh? By the what? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word. Now let me show you. Here it is. We are born again by the word. We are saved by grace. Grace becomes ours by faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. It pleased Christ, or God, through the foolishness of preaching... To save them that do what said, believe. I don't have a dollar. I gave the last dollars I had in the collection pan. And that shows you how good God is. I had the dollars, all the money I had in my pocket. I took it out. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. I needed that. I had, every, I had every dollar I had in my pocket. I don't carry a bill for I'm allergic to them. That's true. Can't stand one on my body. The money I carry, I fold it and stick it in my pocket. I took everything I had this morning out and put it in the offering pan. Now, the only reason I tell you that, this precious gentleman over here, I sat there with the money I was going to give in this hand. And he walked over and put in this hand exactly what I had in this hand. And I said, thank you, Lord. He paid me back before I put it in. Amen. <laughs> That's just like the Lord. Amen. Huh? Well, you say, Green, he'll do that for you, but he won't do that for me. He'll do that for you if you'll let it. And if some of you folks want to know why you are not blessed and you don't prosper anymore than you do, God can't trust you. You don't believe in tithing. You can't afford it. But if you tithe, you'd find out, if you tithe with the right spirit, you'd find out whether you can afford it or not. Now, I don't want any laughing. 
And I, I, God knows if I'd have been intending to do this, I wouldn't have given the last dollar I had this morning. I didn't intend to do this, and God laid upon this dear man's heart to give me this dollar. You gave me this, didn't you, sir? That's what I'm going to do. Now listen. I don't want any laughing. I believe in laughing. I don't want any foolishness. I believe in, in being alive and alert. And I, I, I thank God for folks who can laugh. But this is no laughing matter. Anybody that's old enough to understand what I'm saying, the first person that raises their hand, I'll give you this dollar. Would you like to have it? Raise your hand. Well, you say, preacher, I thought you was going to ask that young man to come up and get it. Yeah, I know you did. This man didn't ask me to come and get it. He brought it to me. He said he wanted it, and I'm illustrating salvation, so I carried it to him. God Almighty didn't say for you, God bless you, to come and get it. God Almighty brought it down to you. Amen. And all in all, you need to do to stay out of hell is reach out and receive it. Amen. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. That young man said, I want it. He kept his seat. I carried it to him. He received it and said, thank you. And that's salvation. Amen. Oh, yes. You can get him to join. You can get him to be baptized. The hardest thing God's preacher ever faced is getting them to come forward and trust Jesus. That's salvation. Amen? Say it. Now here's my last two verses. John 6. Turn right quick. I want you to see them. John 6. And I'm through. John 6. How many books do we have here this morning? Hi. Can I see them? Hi, that's marvelous. John 6. I read two verses. And here's what it is. Verse 28. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Is that in your Bible, brethren? Amen. I read it again. Please don't leave unless it's an absolute necessity. We'll all go home together in just a few minutes. I read it again. Then said they, the Pharisees, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They asked the question. Jesus gave them the answer and said, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom God hath sent. God, Jesus said, do you want to do the works of God? If you want to do the works of God, believe on his son, Jesus. May I have your undivided attention? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name, cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Why? Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father. John 6.40 tells us what it is. Same chapter, 40th verse. And this is the will of him that sent me. Who sent Jesus? Tell me. God the Father, 
And Jesus said, they say, Lord, Lord, but they can't enter because they didn't do the will of the Father. Here's the will of the Father. This is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and doeth what? Two words, three words, read it. Doeth what? Say it again. Believeth on him. May have what kind of a what? The work of God is to believe on Jesus. The will of God is to believe on Jesus. We're saved by believing on. Not about. The devils believe and tremble. James 2, 19. Believe on him. May I have your undivided attention. And you'll forgive me for putting this chair up here where I'm putting it. I'll move the word of God. But I want to illustrate salvation, the clearest that I believe it can be illustrated. Then we're going home. I want to know if there's anybody in this house that doesn't know what this is. Is there anybody here that cannot tell me what that is? How many of you folks know what that is? Tell what is it? What is it? What is a chair for? What do you do with a chair? Tell me. Do you think I would be fool enough? Do you think I'd be silly enough? Do you think I would be a big enough, a joke, and a grand rascal? If I thought this chair would fall all to pieces, do you think I'd sit down in it? I know what that is. That's a chair. And I know what it was made for. Made silly. And I know what it's made out of. And I believe it will support my 200 pounds. So I take a seat. And it sure does feel better sitting than standing. I'm resting 200 pounds on a chair. You put the faith in Jesus Christ that I just put in this chair that you won't go If I should get you to put the faith in Jesus Christ that I put in that chair, God will save it. And that's all you need to do. Trust Jesus like I trusted that chair. Let me say this. I'm through. You go to hell you are sitting in this auditorium right now and you go to hell. Fifty million years from right now in hell you'll see me sitting in that chair. You'll say, my God, my God, my God, my God, why didn't I trust Jesus like that preacher sat down in that chair? Right. You said, Brother Green, I don't see how you can be that serpent. I believe you've got to do more than that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now shall. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.